Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Hook them up is uh, missing Rod Babers today. Uh, he's under the weather. I ran on a pretty high fever yesterday. Uh, coming off the holidays, and uh, we're going to let him rest today, and hopefully he's back tomorrow or whenever he can get back as we get you ready for the Big 12 Championships. with myself and Ty Henderson. Great guest lineup, as we mentioned. Next hour, my buddy Mike Craven will jump on. Mike Craven is a senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He was in Aggieland yesterday covering – he had a busy day. He was up in Waco in the morning talking to uh, Mac Rhodes, the AD of Baylor, their decision to keep Dave Aranda, the head coach of the Bears, after a 3-9 and nine season. Change is coming, so we'll get a detail on that. Uh, then he had to make the trip down to College Station for the introductory press conference of one Mike Elko, who is in, according to uh, Mike's reporting, a $7 million a year base salary. So if you're asking what the total price tag on buying out Jimbo Fisher and now hiring Mike Elko will be, uh, he comes in at uh, right about $7 million base salary to start it. Is he the right hire becomes a big question. Uh, we'll also ask our friend Jerry Hamilton coming up bottom of the hour that same question because he is the senior recruiting analyst for Inside Texas, does great work at that website and on their YouTube channel. Uh, get Jerry's thoughts because, you know, obviously if you're an Aggie fan, uh, much like you see with Steve Sarkeesian here, you never know. There's no slam dunk. Uh, there are one. There are higher hires that feel better than others. But uh, in the end, if Mike Elko can come in and, you know, reclaim that locker room, uh, which had really fallen apart culture-wise under Jimbo Fisher, uh, he knows – most every, you know, a lot of the players in that locker room having been the defensive coordinator there up until 2021 and had built a heck of a defense. Uh, that, that earned him the Duke job where he did a great job with the Blue Devils, 16-9 and nine in two seasons. And I know people will say, well, you know, just a 7-5 and five record this year. But consider this for, for Mike Elko. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, you know, still people talk about you know, when he took over Washington, right, in the program and um, that he didn't win 10 games while he was the coach of the Huskies. But Steve Sarkeesian took over a program that was 0-12, the year before he got there, as he began to build that thing back to respectability, and that earned him the USC job. And then we know the personal issues really, you know, collapsed what was going on for him in USC. But Mike Elko went to Duke, where Duke had only won three games, um, you know, in the last three seasons before Mike Elko took over the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, they had only won, um, just won 10 games combined the previous three years. So averaging three wins a season, Mike Elko comes in and they went 16-9. and nine. And um, you know, earlier this year, we saw them before their quarterback got hurt, you know, beat Clemson. Uh, we're playing some really good football, and they just don't have the depth to, to navigate the ACC, especially when your quarterback gets hurt. Um, but, you know, showed that he can turn a program pretty quickly that was really in the dumps, and that's where ba uh, Duke was. So that's what the Aggies are, are pinning their hopes on, that he's a culture guy. I'll ask Jerry Hamilton this question, though, because it's going to come down to the fact that, you know, the staff he builds, especially as Rod said yesterday, the offensive coordinator he hires, because we know Mike Elko will run a stingy defense. Uh, the question is going to be who he calls you know, a young, dynamic offensive coordinator would be uh, on par, and you have to recruit. I mean, we know that. You've got to be able to recruit, and that's what Steve Sarkeesian has done. Um, you know, when you come in, what, you know, what staff do you hire? Really, you know, dictates how your success is going to be, uh, your, what your ceiling becomes. And I think Sark gets an A-plus for the staff he built. Uh, and they've pretty much stayed together outside of the wide receiver coach position and the running backs coach position. Uh, every other coach who he hired originally is still here. And uh, I think some would argue he's upgraded the wide receiver coach position with Chris Jackson and upgraded, um, you know, with Tashard Choice, a running back. Uh, along with that, another 100-yard rusher last week, Jaden Blue, who's way down the depth chart. So they got some good backs, and Tashard's doing a good job. So, again, coaching staff hire, A-plus for Sark. 
and then keeping that staff together to build the coaching staff continuity, A-plus for Sark. Um, and then the recruiting side, right? Can you recruit? Uh, you know, staff, one thing to be able to develop and uh, coach players and you know, do the schemes and the X's and O's, but you got to also recruit the Jimmys and the Joes. And uh, this Texas staff and Steve Sarkeesian have shown a really strong ability to you know, acquire talent, whether it's through recruiting uh, traditionally or through the portal. Uh, that's, so that's an A-plus, too. And that's, when you ask how did Texas turn it in three years to, from a five and seven first year to now, that's how, and that's will be the question for Mike Elko. Now, Mike Elko, a little bit different. I think the uh, locker room at uh, Texas A&M a lot stronger than, you know, a lot more talented than what Texas. But Steve Sarkeesian inherited at Texas, uh, but you know, we'll see. So we'll talk to uh, Jerry Hamilton about that and the other uh, conversations around college football. We'll talk to Mike Craven in one hour. Uh, but right now, let's get to your headlines, the trending topics to start your Tuesday morning. Top Gun Reynolds and a lot of equipment bring you the top stories. College football, 7th ranked Longhorns now in full prep mode for the showdown game with Oklahoma State on Saturday in Arlington. 11 a.m. kick. That's where Texas will seek to claim their fourth Big 12 championship, their first since 2009. At his weekly Monday media availability yesterday, head coach Steve Sarkeesian described the team as focused and business as usual as they look to complete the mission. We're headed to Arlington Saturday, you know, 11 a.m., competing for, for a Big 12 championship. You know, quite frankly, that's been our mission and that's been our focus all year, was to be champions this year, and we've earned that right. Um, and we've got ourselves in position to do that, uh, to think. In the last 27 years here at Texas, there's only been three conference championships. Uh, and so we, we don't take this lightly. Uh, we know the challenge that it is to, A, make it to the game, and then, B, to ultimately win that game. Uh, so to be the fourth team to do it here in 27 years would, would be a heck of a deal if we could get it done. Uh, they certainly would be. Get them to 12-1, and one, and then they'll wait and see what happens beyond that. Uh, win or lose yet on Saturday, the game will be the Longhorns' final ever in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, word yesterday that the SEC plans to unveil that schedule for 2024 sometime in de December. Yesterday, um, there were Chris Lowe of ESPN. Uh, revealed a number of dates on some of the bigger matchups, including Texas and Oklahoma, as they join the now-expanded 16-team lead starting next year. Uh, according to Chris Lowe, Texas will host the Georgia Bulldogs on October the 19th of 2024, which will likely be one week after the annual showdown with Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl. Um, they will also make a trip to Arkansas, according to Lowe, on November the 16th, and will renew their rivalry with Texas A&M uh, after the 12-year hiatus in College Station on Saturday, November 30th in College Station to close the regular season. Longhorns 2024 non-conference schedule also includes home games versus Colorado State, UTSA, and UL Monroe. And, of course, that early September road tilt at Michigan. Speaking of Texas A&M, the Aggies made it official yesterday. Introduced Mike Elko as the program's new head football coach. Uh, we'll hear more on him coming up throughout the uh, the program. NFL quite the stinker on Monday Night Football last night to wrap up Week 12 in Minnesota. Cairo Santos made a 31-yard field goal with 10 seconds left to give the Bears a 12-10 win over Minnesota. Chicago improves to 4-8 without scoring a touchdown in that game. Their defense intercepted Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs four times. Minnesota falls to 6-6. Six six. Week 13 in the NFL kicks off this Thursday night in Arlington. Surging Cowboys hosting 6-5 Seattle. Pink slips in Carolina yesterday. Panthers fired head coach Frank Reich just 11 games into his tenure as their head coach. Reich, who replaced Matt Rule this past offseason, led Carolina to an NFL worst 1-10 start. Team also dismissed quarterbacks coach Josh McCown and assistant coach Deuce Staley. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capital Area Food Bank. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. And they absolutely will. Brandon Mars and his great team there. Appreciate them uh, bringing you the headlines and the top stories, which include that uh, that schedule. Um, 
you know, this is, this is what Longhorn fans are walking into, and I think the Longhorn program, they, as I just said, A-pluses for Sark on coaching staff and continuity and recruiting and development, and that's what's led to this team that has a chance to, to finish a 12-1 and campaign, and then we'll see what happens with the college football playoff. But uh, we know next year the, the stakes ramp up even more uh, with the move to the Southeastern Conference. And I thought it was interesting, Chris Lowe, with that uh, story dropped at ESPN, uh, you know, kind of sneaking out some of the, 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 the big dates. And um, these are big time. This is what you I mean Texas knows, as I mentioned, they're going to play Michigan and Ann Arbor in September. Looks like they had that huge start of the season tilt at uh, Alabama. And by the way, uh, Ty Henderson, that game in Michigan in September could look a lot like the Longhorn trip to Alabama last week, where, of course, Alabama I mean, Michigan's playing as the number one or two team in the country right now, unbeaten, dominant lines of scrimmage. But much like we talked about Alabama all last offseason, there's going to be coaching staff changes in Michigan. There could be NCAA punishment for the sign-stealing scandal. Uh, there also could be a, you know, an overhaul on them. I mean, there will be a, a, an exodus off that roster. This is the most talented team that uh, – that uh, Jim Harbaugh has built. He's got the, the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, who's kind of come into his own, and people think he could be off to the NFL draft. They've got seven offensive linemen that could be moving on to the NFL, Blake Corum, the running back. So, you know, when you, when you look at teams year by year, you know, the Longhorns may be, and again, I'm looking way ahead here, but may be catching Michigan at a good time to make that trip to Ann Arbor. Let's also remember that was supposed to be a home game for Texas when they first came on the schedule, but they flipped that to a trip to Ann Arbor to appease the, the TV partners when the move to the SEC was announced. It's going to be in Ann Arbor now. Uh, but, you know, you might, you might be able to catch Michigan early, uh, you know, kind of rebuilding and reloading, and who knows if Jim Harbaugh's even there next year, Ty. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of question marks up there in Ann, Ar Ann Arbor, so – uh, I'm more concerned about the Georgias of the world and the rest of the SEC. Yeah, well, I mean, that yeah, of course. But much like we saw this year, if you can get a big road win early, I mean, that still stands. I mean, the Texas win at Alabama. I think Texas fans would say, I'd rather we would have. That was it was a you know fortunate time to play them when they were breaking in a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, new defensive coordinator, and uh, maybe weren't settled. And they haven't lost a game since, but but you don't take that win away. Texas could be walking into a similar situation um, in uh, you've said it, in Ann Arbor. You said it yesterday. If if Texas beats Oklahoma, they're probably number one in the nation right now. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, then, you know, if you, if, then that's going to be the, uh, the, the galling part of the Longhorns if they get left out of the 14 playoff. And if they, if they win, they've got to win, you know, beat Oklahoma State, put a championship on the board. As Ari Temkin said, I think accurately last hour, you know, if you told pretty much anybody in the, in the summer that Texas is going to go 12-1, and win the Big 12, their one loss would be a narrow loss in the Cotton Bowl, neutral site to, uh, to Oklahoma in a game they led with just over a minute to play and then couldn't hold the lead as Dylan Gabriel took the – the Sooners down the field and put them in the end zone. Um, you know, that's your one loss of an, of an entire season, and you're a conference champion. There's no way that team doesn't make the Final Four. I mean, what we've known of the Final Four so far, that's a resume that gets you into the Final Four. Um, so, but again, as we said, there's a chance that there are four undefeated conference champions going into the, into, uh, you know, the, the weekend, and that's, that's really where it stands. Now, um, you know, if Oregon, and the problem is if Oregon beats Washington, They'd be a one-loss team who's currently ahead of you, and if they beat Washington, does that give them the momentum and the move to, you know, stay ahead of Texas? Would that be the data point they need? Because right now, by all the metrics and all the analytics, uh, Texas should be ahead of Oregon. Uh, we've said that over and over again. There's really, I mean, Texas has a tough, played a tougher schedule. They've got more quality wins. They've got a better win, which is at Alabama that Oregon doesn't have. Uh, really, every data point you would look at points to Texas. Sh they should be ahead of Oregon right now, and they're not. So if Oregon then beats Washington, who's ranked number four in the country right now, or three in the country, 
know, that's going to give them a data point that uh, may make them insurmountable for Texas, whether that's right or wrong. Uh, so that they would be the one-loss team in. Georgia wins, Michigan wins, um, Oregon wins, and whoever because I think whoever wins, Washington, Oregon is going to be in, and that's unfortunate for Texas. Uh, then it comes down to Florida State uh, with a backup quarterback on uh, a big game with uh, with Louisville. Uh, to, to, to tell the Texas fate for sure. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's the now and then there's the future for the Longhorns on this Tuesday morning with what's coming, as we mentioned, November 30th for the Texas A&M game next year. So mark your calendars. That will be, unless they change that, and Ty kind of you know, threw it out there that maybe they could move that to a November 29th game on a Friday, uh, kind of like old school. But as of uh, the Chris Lowe report yesterday, that game will be coming up on, uh, on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, November the 30th next year uh the trip to Fayetteville Arkansas would be the middle of the month of November um on the 16th and as uh, Ty mentioned Georgia Bulldogs who also will have a new look team but they're going to be Georgia next year you know that with Kirby Smart that will be uh the the week after the Oklahoma game how about that in October uh trip to Dallas to play the Sooners uh the second Saturday following Saturday would be coming home to play according to Chris Lowe of ESPN the Georgia Bulldogs in one heck of a road or one heck of a home showcase for the Texas Longhorns. Pretty cool stuff. All right, uh, there you go. There's your top stories. We're brought to you by Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment. Let's dive into Rod's rant. With Rod not being here, we can execute the rant, can't we, T.Y.? Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. No, oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, Rod's rant of the day. Apple leasing brings it to you, and I, you know, I just kind of ranted a little bit about it. But I do think right now, as we sit here, it's it's really inexcusable that Texas is behind Oregon. Um, I, you know, my argument has been it won't matter if Texas, you know. You know, they, they, the problem is if Texas were even – here's the issue uh, for me. Uh, when, when Oregon began, you know, being ranked ahead of Texas in this college football playoff rankings a few weeks ago, um, you know, if Oregon had been behind Texas, uh, I still think um, – you know, let's just say Texas was six and Oregon was seven right now, which is what Longhorn fans would like to see. They think that would – and you know, Ohio State, at least in the AP poll, is ahead of Texas. But I think that, you know, and we'll see where the college football playoff ranking has Ohio State. But let's not forget, Ohio State doesn't have a game this weekend. So if Texas wins the Big 12 championship, even if they're – even if Ohio State's ahead of Texas tonight, when Texas – if Texas wins the Big 12 championship Saturday and becomes a one-loss conference champion with that 12th victory – in a 13-game schedule, they would move ahead of Ohio State because that would be a data point that Ohio State just doesn't have, and it would, it would push them forward. But the problem is Oregon, if, uh, if all things are equal. And as we said, there's really no, no metric that you look at that suggests Texas should be behind Oregon right now, uh, except for the eye test, I guess. I mean, uh, and, and, and you know, respecting the West Coast and the quality of football being played in the Pac-12 this year and what really is the final year that conference exists, um, you know, Texas, again, uh, Texas played and, and beaten this year, Ty, um, or played seven bowl teams. Now, seven teams that are bowl eligible. That's the most of any of the teams in the top ten in the country right now. Seven teams who, have a, have, who will be bowling coming up through the bowl season. Uh, they've got the better win against Alabama. The strength of schedule is better than Oregon's. Yet um, the committee continues to have them ranked ahead. My only argument against and rant on why it really doesn't matter, even if Texas were ahead right now uh, of Oregon and Oregon beats Washington on Friday night, to me, big picture, that would have pushed them past Texas anyhow. 
because Texas's game with Oklahoma State does not bring that that gravity, right? It doesn't bring that. It doesn't elevate because Oklahoma State's sitting at number 19 in the rankings. They're a two-loss team. Uh, obviously, Washington's the top three team in the country and undefeated right now, and that would avenge the loss. So I think you know the argument about Oregon is is a good one for Texas fans, but at the same time. If they beat Oregon, because, again, if Washington beats Oregon, then it won't matter. Washington's in as an undefeated Pac-12 champion. If Oregon beats Washington, to me, Ty, and you can agree or disagree, that would be uh, the clincher for them uh, to go in ahead of Texas as the uh, the champion of the Pac-12. And their only loss being a very narrow loss at uh, Washington on a, on, a, on a true road game. I wouldn't be shocked if Texas is ranked ahead of Oregon tonight after the, the, the win over Tech. Well, well, that yeah, well, that's a good point, and that's a, a fair point in the rant because you know they they win that game fifty-seven to seven, they wreck Tech by fifty, um, and yeah, I mean it, it, this would be the week to do that, right? If you're the committee and you're going, you know, you're you're now having this conversation because you're down to brass tacks here, you're down to one week. If you were going to make it tonight, would be the night because you can back it up by saying Texas just won a game by fifty points. That's what we were looking for from Texas was a complete four-quarter performance, a dominant performance in all phases against a, a – look, Texas Tech's one of those bowl-eligible teams. They might be very good, but they're a six-win football team who were looking to get to seven last week, and Texas demolished them. So um, that, that's a good point, Ty, that if they come out tonight, well, that would – then all of a sudden that would be encouraging. But the question then would become, if you're accurate on that here in Rod's rant of the day, if you're right about that, would Washington remain behind Texas if Texas handles business with Oklahoma State and they beat number three and undefeated Washington? That would become a nail-biter for the Longhorns come Sunday morning. I think in that scenario, you would have to hope for a blowout win similar to what we saw last week against Tech for Texas and then a sloppy win for Oregon and then just, just cross your fingers at that point. And that's, that, right. that's also in that scenario, Florida State would probably win too. So there would be one spot up for grabs, right? That's right. Uh, that's right, and that that you know obviously the, the easiest path in would be Florida State because if you consider, you know Georgia uh, is a five point favorite over Alabama. Look, if Georgia, if Alabama beats Georgia, I mean that's a fair question. Um, if, if Alabama beats Georgia, I think that further solidifies Texas because and I think Georgia falls behind the Longhorns, despite the fact that they won back to back national championships. If Alabama beats Georgia, Texas beat Alabama on the field by ten points in their building. Uh, and to beat Georgia, to knock off the number one team, that gives credit to Texas, right? That solidifies Texas, and Georgia falls behind the Longhorns in the Final Four. Bama would get the spot for the SEC. Uh, obviously, Michigan, if they handle Iowa, is in. And then the Oregon-Washington you know, game becomes a, a de facto you know, playoff game. And then if Florida State were to lose, then you're in, right? But you need that Florida State thing to happen. You need one of those two things to happen, in my opinion, here in Rod's Rand of the Day on a Tuesday. You need Florida State to take a loss, or you need Alabama to beat Georgia uh, because I think either one with a Longhorn win at Oklahoma State against Oklahoma State would put you into the Final Four um, and, you know, into that semifinal round, which would be coming up on New Year's Day. You'd be either in the Sugar Bowl or in the Rose Bowl uh, playing in the semifinals for a chance to play for the national title. All right, let me uh, play this from Steve Sarkeesian, his media availability yesterday. He was asked, uh, do you have a, did, did you have a preference? Like when, you know, because they talked to, Sark talked about how they, they got to demolish Tech on Friday night, so he got to sit back and watch football as a fan on Saturday and uh, was asked when you were watching the, the, the games after you knew Oklahoma had throttled TCU, uh, were you rooting for either to play Oklahoma or to play uh, Oklahoma State here with Sark yesterday. No, it didn't matter. You know, I mean, at, at this point, at this stage, we've, and we've been on this kick all year. We've been focused on what, what, what we need to do and being enamored with what we need to do. Um, 
I think in a in an in a unique way, it's it's kind of fitting that we're playing Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, knowing we didn't get an opportunity to play each other in the regular season. Um, with us leaving the Big 12 and some of the great games and the matchups that have been that have gone on kind of over the years and historically, so for us to be able to play in the Big 12 championship game, um, it's kind of fitting knowing, hey, we're going to be playing OU every year moving forward. So that part's kind of fitting. Um. All right, so, yeah, um, they've been playing Big 12 championship games since the Oklahoma game. And, you know, he went on to say there that, uh, you know, probably fitting to get to see Mike Gundy one more time, right? You didn't have to face the mullet during the regular season and a chance to uh, avenge some of these losses, including last year's bitter loss in Stillwater. And as we said, Longhorns 3-7 and seven in their last 10 matchups with Oklahoma State, so not to be taken lightly, but a chance to, to finish it. And um, the, the revenge tour, as we've called it. Let's hear Sark. He was also asked about well, what we're talking about in Rod's Ramp. Uh, are you a CFP team? Do the Longhorns belong as a one-loss team in this conversation to be in the Final Four? Um, why wouldn't I? Okay, that's a better answer, and I'll move on to the next one. Okay, so I was exhausted by the end of Saturday. I, I don't, I don't I, you know, yeah, I really was a fan. You know, I came in early uh, Saturday morning to, you know, to watch the tape and to, and to get a lot of the kind of the paperwork stuff done coming out of our ball game. And then I just started to become a college football fan like, like I am. I didn't have to change. I mean, I, I loved watching some great games, and there was fantastic games Saturday. Um, but by the end of it, uh, when it was uh, Pac-12 after dark, you know, that little bit of the Pac-12 in me growing up in California, I tuned into the uh, – to the UCLA Cal game that night, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm exhausted. I don't know how you guys do it every Saturday. Uh, I only have to worry about one game. You, you, you all have to worry about uh, a ton of games. But great games, great teams. Um, you, you could see the grit and perseverance in some teams that got kind of pushed to the brink. Um, and, and a lot of teams found a way to win games. A couple teams didn't. Um, and now here we go into the next weekend. And, and what is this all going to look like? So, um, I don't, I don't know why I wouldn't think we're a college football playoff contender. Um, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, after the game Saturday. Uh, but we're in great position. Uh, but what I also know is we have to take care of our business like I touched on Friday. Um, we've got a huge game in front of us here Saturday. And, and there's, there is no college football playoff talk if we don't play really good Saturday and, and try to find a way to win that game. And if, if that happens, then then there's another discussion to be had. But a lot of people got to play. A lot of good teams got to play one another. And, um, you know, well, the, the dust, like I say all the time to the team, the, the dust's going to settle where it's supposed to. So we'll see what happens. Dust will settle where it's supposed to. And it's fair to say, you can hear Sark, he, he doesn't really want to address it because he wants his team to stay focused on this game because it doesn't matter if you don't beat Oklahoma State. If you stub your toe, start thinking about things you can't control. And that's they've come too far in that regard of uh, finding ways to avoid distractions and eating the poison cheese they talk about. But it does sound pretty clear to me, and I would say this, you can predict this, um, if they win this game and, and were to win it comfortably, double digits or more, you will immediately, because that game's at 11 o'clock in the morning, the Pac-12 championship will already be decided the night before, um, you know, between Oregon and Washington. Uh, Texas plays the early game, which means by 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the afternoon, if they win that game comfortably, you can 
damn well bet that Sark is going to go lobbying heavily for his team. That's when you'll start to hear Sark pounding tables and lobbying for his team because at that point you've accomplished it, the dust has settled, and that's when you can start doing your arguing because that you know you get you get ahead of that. Uh, to make your case because the committee will make their announcements the next day that morning before NFL football. So uh, good stuff from right there. I'm Sark right there and Rod's rant coming back. Good stuff as well. Jerry Hamilton, the senior recruiting analyst for Inside Texas, a wealth of knowledge on all things college football and recruiting, plus his thoughts on Longhorns and and, uh, Cowboys and Stillwater and the ire of of Mike Elko at Texas A&M. All things will kick around with G coming next on Hook Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, hook them up with uh, just yours truly and Ty today. Rod out, uh, running a pretty high fever yesterday, and hope Rod's going to be okay. Uh, be right back in here with us in the, uh, the Onion Creek Studios. Ty's back on the, the banks of 360, and we'll get you through your Tuesday morning. It's a busy one, uh, busy one to say the least, for the top of the hour. Some bullish or BS topics around the landscape that we are bullish on and those we are calling BS on, including last night's Monday Night Football game, which, unwatchable, unwatchable. Uh, and my rant is pretty simple. As, uh, you knew that, uh, and you could have flexed it. You know, the NFL adopted a rule to be able to flex Monday Night Football games beginning in Week 12. Still not understanding why that Texans-Jaguars game wasn't flexed to Monday Night Football. Would have been a much better game. And it was a much better game on Saturday that went to the wire. And uh, last night was pretty much unwatchable with the Bears and the Vikings and some backup quarterbacks. Hey, can we go to the Vaqueros hotline? He is uh, one of our favorites. He is the uh, senior national recruiting analyst for On3 Sports and Inside Texas. A great friend of ours. He's Jerry Hamilton. What's up, G? Uh, Not much, man. Not a lot going on this week at all, right? Yeah, not a lot going on, and we got a lot to talk about. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, hey, listen, um, let me start with this, because I want to talk some Texas and Oklahoma State before we get into some recruiting and what's to come with the portal and everything that you're trying to follow and cover uh, at a very high level. What, uh, tell me about Ollie Gordon coming out of Euless Trinity and the type of player he was and what the Longhorns are dealing with. Amazing to me that Ollie Gordon only had 19 carries over the first three games um, but once Mike Gundy settled on him as the, the, the engine of their offense, he, he might be running his way to the Doak Walker Award. Yeah, very, very interesting, uh, re, you know, per player and prospect. Look, Euless Trinity wasn't the powerhouse they once were when he came out. I think maybe he was overlooked a little bit. With that being said, he was a four-star running back. He was the number 15-ranked running back in the, in the country in the on-three industry ranking. He was the guy that Texas offered a, a couple of days before signing day. Um, and Mike Gundy actually kind of laughingly made reference uh, to that yesterday in the press conference when asked, what you know, what does Oklahoma State do when the Blue Bloods, like a Texas, comes in and offers one of their players late, and it was in reference to Ollie Gordon. And, my, and Mike Gundy laughingly said, oh, yeah, you mean 12 hours before signing day? <laughs> so I thought, I thought that was actually pretty funny. But Ollie Gordon is a physical back, a multi-sport athlete. You know, he grew up in that. DFW area on the same youth football teams with, uh, you know, some guys on the Texas team. There's a lot of familiarity in this game. There's a lot of guys from Dallas, a lot of guys from Texas on this Oklahoma State roster as normal. In fact, of the 33 prospects that have been drafted in the Mike Gundy era at Oklahoma State, 16 are from Texas, and the majority of those are from DFW area or East Texas. So, yeah, but Ollie was a physical player. He's a long-armed guy. Uh, I can tell you this. What happened there this year was they started the season with a three-quarterback rotation. And Ollie Gordon wasn't the hardest practice player, the, 
the guy that was going as hard as other people in practice. And I think I think Mike Gundy and that staff had to get him to go totally buy in. Um, they also had to stop the three quarterback system, and they decided on Alan Bowman, and all that happened about the same time. And even though they had that loss against Iowa State, that's when they started to come together. Um, and when he settled on Bowman, and when they changed the run game from more of a zone scheme to a pull through power scheme, I mean, and that's where they've gone, and that fits Ollie Gordon. Uh, and I think Mike Gundy's done a great job of getting that kid to maximize what he can do this year. And like you said, Aaron, he's probably going to win the Doke. Yeah, Doke Walker Award. It might have been Jonathan Brooks running to that award had he not gotten injured against TCU. Um, and then the season he was having, but we've seen this Longhorn backfield, and that's you know that's another side to this game. You know, you know, it's amazing we're you know going to be going to drill down on this the Longhorn first trip to the championship game since 2018, and Quinn yours should be the story. But we're going to talk about these running backs. I mean, uh, Tashard Choice. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian. They're doing a heck of a job. You co- you cover you cover these guys on the recruiting trail coming out of high school. But uh, so not surprising for you to see a guy like Jaden Blue or a guy like Savion Red stepping in and running the way they were. I mean, this has been pretty impressive as the Longhorn with C.J. Baxter going down, was down to their you know, third, fourth, fifth running backs, and they still ran all over Texas Tech. No, they did. And, and, and the thing about it is that they're all different backs. That's the good thing for Sark, right? I mean, C.J. Baxter fits that inside zone scheme. I mean, he fits it, and he's got great hands, and he's really good in pass pro for a young back. Jaden Blue, more of the home run hitter, right? You want to get him in space. You want to get him the ball on the edges. Uh, now, you got if you block it clean inside for him and he gets a crease, yeah, he makes a play like you saw against Texas Tech. Um, he doesn't necessarily fit the inside zone run scheme. And people are going, well, he's running tougher. Yeah, he's running tougher. But I'm, we're thinking more SEC next year and those large humans that are lined up across your from your large humans and how does that play into it. But if they can get Jaden Blue in space, they can get the ball out of the backfield. Uh, and they can hit. He can hit that home run on those a few car- uh, a ca- occasional carry. While he is running tougher, he's never going to be a downhill power back. But he has got a lot of home run, uh, big play, chunk yardage play uh, ability in him. Savion Red just run. I-, I say runs pissed off. I mean that's that's what yeah. he does. That guy is angry on contact. He drops his pads. He is going to ma- He is not the fastest guy. He probably. He might would lose the 40-yard dash contest among the running backs, but that guy runs with a physicality that you rarely see in a great running back field. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, I think the – and the guys coming in, Aaron, Christian Clark, tremendous talent out of uh, Phoenix area. I think he is a big-time guy. I think he fits the scheme perfectly with an NFL running back body type. Jarrett Gibson – Florida's still trying to fight Texas there. Jarrett Gibson, 5'10", 207 pounds, a downhill back, really fits the team as well. Uh, so Texas has uh, two more guys on the way that are really talented as well. Well, we love talking to Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, we, we get in some debates because there are Longhorn fans uh, talking, you know, as they, they go into the Big 12 title game. It's their last game in the Big 12, regardless of what happens beyond it. And uh, we saw the SEC schedule and the dates kind of trickle out yesterday from Chris Lowe at ESPN and the, the showdown here with Georgia uh, in, in October, the, the game with Arkansas at Fayetteville, the game with A&M on November 30th. Uh, and, and there are still some Longhorn fans who feel like, hey, uh, why are we moving to the SEC? Why did we make this call? Why didn't we just stay here now that uh, you know the four corner schools are joining and they've made the additions? We'd be better off here. You've made it clear in our visits 
that you know this these recruiting halls the Longhorns are, are bringing in wouldn't be happening if the Longhorns were not moving to the SEC starting next year. One hundred percent. I mean, look, Cedric Baxter would not be at Texas right now. As great of a, a, a relationship builder and coach to short choice is, he wasn't coming to Texas if they were in the Big Twelve, and that's opened up the state of Florida for Texas in recruiting. Um, it's opened up the really Louisiana more so. It's just a different response you get from kids. And then I, I, let's be real, like Brandon Baker, the offensive tackle from modern day, who's going to sign with Texas here in a, in a few weeks and enroll early. He pretty much came down to SEC schools plus Oregon and Nebraska. So it wasn't even Pac-12 out there. It was SEC or Big Ten. I mean, these kids, DeAndre Carter, his teammate, who Texas lost down on the offer, he's going to play in the SEC from modern day. This thing carries from coast to coast because these kids have grown up watching the SEC dominate college football, whether people think some of the teams are overrated or not. And look, I'm just talking from a kid's point of view. They see every national championship. They see the awards. They see the NFL draft. And when you put those three things together, you have a powerful force in recruiting. So why did Texas move to the SEC? So they can maximize their force. And I think it's a powerful force when they're winning. And, and, and Sarkeesian, look, I mean, would Arch Manning have still gone to Texas if Texas was in the Big 12? I mean, maybe, but maybe not. The whole family's played in the SEC. I mean, it's an SEC family if there ever was one. Two at Ole Miss, one at Tennessee, radio shows. I mean, everything's SEC with that family. So Derek Williams, last year out of Louisiana, would he have come to Texas if they're staying in the Big 12? I mean, look at the schools he was really considering. They were SEC schools. That's just where this is at. And in the state of Texas, um, you know, these kids know if you go and talk to them, you know, when they get that initial list of schools when they're 16 years old or 15, when they start getting recruited, I'm telling you five out of seven, five out of the top seven in most kids' lists are SEC schools. Then you throw in an Ohio State, maybe if they like out West USC. That's just reality of where recruiting is. And Sarkeesian built the staff uh, knowing Texas was going to the SEC uh, to make the most of it. Uh, great stuff with Jerry Hamilton, Longhorns. Uh, we'll play their final Big 12 conference game ever coming up on Saturday. Hey, uh, Jerry, the uh, the hire of Mike Elko at Texas A&M, uh, and how does it resonate with you, and uh, how does it resonate with recruiting? I know he mentioned the Texas high school coaches yesterday at his intro press conference. He's going to try to rebuild some of those relationships. Uh, that's the main rival and the, and the main recruiting rival, along with Oklahoma. How does Mike Elko resonate with uh, with recruits, you think? You know, I think it, what's interesting is when a coach is hired, I always I'll, the first thing I do is, okay, at, let's see what happens after he fills out a staff. Who does he put on that staff? Because that is so key in recruiting. Um, and I think because Elko was at A&M and he understands the state, um, you know, I think he's, uh, he'll keep Elijah Robinson, which is a key for uh, defensive line and keeping those guys on the team. Because there were a lot of Twitter goodbyes being written uh, a few, about 48, 72 hours ago. Um, that weren't published, but they were being written. So keeping those guys, the ones intact that they want to keep in the program, I think that's big. Uh, but I, I, it, it'll be interesting to see who he fills out his staff with. Like I said, I don't think he's coming in green with not an understanding of, of the staff he needs to put together to, to maximize recruiting in Texas. Uh, so I, I, th- I, think they'll, I think they'll do fine. I think Mike Elko has enough of a feel to do fine. Him himself, I, I mean, you know, to be determined, there's just not I, – I, I think he's good with coaches. Um, how is he going to resonate with kids? I think that really comes down to how many games you win. I mean, he needs to have a good first season at Texas A&M. I mean, he's not coming in with a bare cupboard now. I mean, this, uh, you know, they, they, it, there's a lot of talent on, on, that, on that team. 
they've just got to piece together some of the positions in need. Um, they got to keep their quarterbacks healthy. They got it better on the offensive line. But I mean, there's a lot of defensive line talent. There's some good young players in that secondary if they all stick around. Um, there's some good young running backs. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with an Evan Stewart. If Damian Craig's not on that staff, maybe Evan Stewart comes back to Texas A&M. Not out of the question because I think if Damian Craig was is retained, there's no chance he comes back. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens with Elko's offensive staff. And I think he understands and knows all these things that I'm talking about. So it gives him an opportunity to have success. Jerry Hamilton. Last thing, Jerry, you talk to these coaches uh, all over college football and the high school coaches. Is there any way to put into perspective how busy this December gets starting Monday, whether you're playing in the playoff and you're Sark or not, or you're getting ready for a bowl game? The portal, you're trying to close a, a, you know, the 2024 recruiting class on December the 20th. That window opens uh, while you're trying to get ready for a bowl game, while you're trying to re-recruit your own roster to keep them out of the portal. Uh, you, you know, that's why we see these staffs continuing to grow with people. You just need as many hands on deck to yeah. handle the next couple of weeks starting Monday. Yeah, you have to have an NFL type of personnel department these days. There is no Mike Gundy talked about it in his press conference yesterday. Um, he said all our coaches after the game Saturday – they won't go back to Stillwater. They'll scatter to go recruit. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, that Big 12 championship game ends an hour and a half later. You're on the road recruiting. I mean, just think about that. You know, you go back with your team. You're hitting the road recruiting. The portal is madness. I mean, just, I mean, like the linebacker from Vanderbilt, the team captain put his name in the portal. Uh, Will Howard <laughs> put his name in the portal. Or, or now he's going to put his name in the portal already. I think it's going to be – I'm not sure it's going to be wild this year, but I think it's going to be – a little bit more so than last year. Um, I, I think this is the first year that I think we're really going to test the limits of uh, of the portal uh, because just when you see the, the the captain of the Vanderbilt football team put his name in the portal, I mean that's just that's thing you didn't think you would see in college football four years ago. And I know look, he's he's been there a while and he, he's got an t- opportunity to go win. And I mentioned he's a Flyer Mount Marcus kid. Uh, so I think it's going to be crazy. These coaches, I mean, look, this, these next three weeks for them, like you said, Aaron, and if you're in the college football playoff, I mean, just think about yeah. dealing with all that. And the craziest thing, Aaron, <laughs> is let's say Texas wins Saturday. And let's say they get in the college football playoff. There's going to be kids exiting the program at Texas on a team preparing for a playoff game. That's how wild <laughs> college football is right now. Yeah, because they got to, you know, if they're on the depth chart down and they want to make a move, they're going to have to jump in early. Uh, it is crazy times, but always good stuff with Jerry <laughs> Hamilton. They have, to jump, they, have to jump in to, they have to jump in to get a spot somewhere. You can't wait until no, uh, January 2nd. I mean, you're, you're, you're no. too far behind if you're a kid that's leaving a school. And I'm looking for the, the spot for you, and that's uh, the way college football works now. Like it or, or, like it or hate it, uh, that's the task. Longhorns will be fine with that just if they're playing the college football playoff uh, or maybe getting ready for the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, depending on how things fall on Sunday. Hey, Jerry, thanks so much. Uh, Chess Jerry at Inside Texas, of course, on 3 Sports, on their YouTube channel as well, on Texas Football. He's got a show coming up at 8 o'clock on uh, Coffee and Football, which is always great. Jerry, thanks so much, my friend. Appreciate you jumping in. You got it, man. Talk to you sooner. All right, there's Jerry Hamilton. There you go. There's your layout. Uh, recruiting, bowl games, uh, portal. <laughs> it's crazy times. He also gave a good thumbnail on Ollie Gordon, this Longhorn running back room, and the Longhorns move to the Southeastern Conference. We'll come back. When we do, we will uh, hit some bullish or BS topics, including 11 games into a tenure now firing NFL head coaches. 11 games in. Are you bullish or BS on that? Plus the top stories uh, coming back. Uh, uh, Mike Craven will join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Mike, of course, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He was at Mike Elko's introductory news conference yesterday. Get his thoughts coming back. Let's hook him up with Ian Rodby. 
Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Appreciate Jerry Hamilton. You'll also, I think, appreciate Mike Craven coming up next hour, right after the headlines. Craven with the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, my co-host on the Eyes on Texas podcast that we do. Uh, he was busy yesterday. He was up in Waco talking to uh, Mac Rhodes, the athletic director there, about the decision to keep uh, Dave Aranda, make some serious coaching staff changes, then headed down to the introductory press conference of Mike Elko. So we'll get his thoughts on this uh, coaching carousel <laughs> in college football in the state of Texas. Also his thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma State and the Big 12 championship game. Uh, but t- time for some bullish or BS. With Rod being out this morning, it's Ty and myself, Ty Henderson, back at the Horn headquarters. Ty, are you, uh, are you bullish – or BS on this decision to fire Frank Reich in Carolina. Uh, you know, I mean, I know in the NFL it's a performance-based job. I get it. But 11 games into a tenure, uh, you know, they just fired Matt Rule uh, last year. And um, you know, Matt Rule had been given several years to try to build that. He could never find a quarterback. And now they hire Frank Reich, who was fired last year in Indianapolis, where he had done a pretty good job. Uh, and then, you know, the owner wants to bring in Jeff Saturday and move on from the you – know, get themselves in line to draft a quarterback, which they've done now with Anthony Richardson, and, and make a change there, which is fine. But all right, bullish or BS on 11 games for a head coach to get uh, to, to show himself in Carolina? Uh, I mean, after last year, I, 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 and, and the ownership change. I mean, he did pick to fire Matt Rule, kind of hastily picked a veteran head coach in Reich. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think he needed to, it needed to move on at this point. Bryce Young really hasn't Already? looked like he – he hasn't looked comfortable at all. I feel like there's been a lot of animosity uh, well, I, with the well, CJ Stroud thing. Well, then that's just bad ownership, I and mean, Dave Tepper needs to have, make a better hire. Because uh, obviously the underlying conversation is that he wanted CJ Stroud, and the owner wanted Bryce Young. And you know the, the, that that you know t- to your point, if that's forever going to be a wedge, then <laughs> you probably just cut the wedge now uh, because you're not going to have C.J. Stroud. Houston's going to have him, and he's con- you know, competing for the you – know, he's going to be the rookie of the year, might be the MVP, and he looks like the next big-time quarterback in pro football. Meanwhile, Bryce Young has not developed and has not looked anywhere close to that. It's a Grand Canyon between those two quarterbacks. So, you know, maybe you're right there, but it does seem – I mean, Dave Tempers is a you know, hedge fund billionaire guy. He's got the money, but he's already I – mean, he's still paying Matt Rule. Uh, these coaches and these guaranteed – who's not bullish on these guaranteed buyout contracts? I mean, I know it's a tough profession, and we just talked about it with Jerry Hamilton, but if you can get yourself to uh, where you're getting paid not to coach, that's pretty pretty impressive, right? I mean, come on now. Uh, Matt Rule's getting paid. Now you got to pay out Frank Reich's contract, who's still being paid by Indianapolis, who fired him last season. This guy, you know, he, he, don't feel sorry for him, but the industry and Dave Tepper, uh, shame on those guys in my mind. Uh, I mean, what can you do at this point? Well, they're billionaires. They've got to make money. Uh, but, no, he's out. But, I mean, look, again, to your point about uh, Bryce Young, if Bryce Young is going to be the quarterback, then you need a coach that wants to coach Bryce Young. And if there's a thought that Frank Reich, you know, that's going to be, as I say, that's going to be a wedge that he wanted C.J. Stroud. I, I don't – look, he – there's animosity to it without a doubt. But at the same time, 11 games into a season, I, it's really tough to tell what your regime's going to be, what your program will be. Um, I am calling BS on the owner, but at the same time, you know, you're I also can, calling BS on the owner if he's getting involved and in who's going to you know you hired these people to draft the quarterback. And clearly, the owner's wrong, but he can't fire himself, and um, he should have drafted C.J. Stroud. All Houston Texans fans are thrilled that they didn't, and they're going to send Christmas cards to Dave Tepper starting this year and every year. 
but uh, same time, they're going to bring in someone else to try to develop Bryce Young. They also have no weapons, by the way, guys. Let's not think instead of them. I mean, they don't have any weapons. They traded their only good receiver, DJ Moore, uh, to, to the Bears. I mean, it's uh, Bryce Young with nothing. And, um, you know, what a mess. I'm calling BS on that whole situation. But uh, thank you, Dave Tepper, for Houston Texans fans. We'll come back. When we do, we'll reset these headlines. We now know at least preliminarily, the date of the Longhorn game with Texas A&M, the first game in a dozen years coming next November. We'll get you details on that, plus other, a couple other big Longhorn SEC games in 2024. Uh, and, of course, the big game coming Saturday. It's Texas and Oklahoma State. We'll continue to preview the Big 12 championship game. It's a busy Tuesday on 101.9 AM 1260. We're streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. It's Hook'em Up.